Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, a 30 Rock podcast, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurgs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 122, season 6, episode 19, entitled Live from Studio 6H, originally airing April 26, 2012. David, if you would, please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. Jack has looked over the TGS budget and determined that TGS being a live show just isn't profitable anymore, so the next show of TGS will be its final live episode, leading Kenneth to take the cast and crew on a tour of the wonders of history of NBC Live Television and why live TV is sacred. Meanwhile, in the B-plot, Jenna is excited about Paul proposing to her on live television so she can get married for TV, but then she learns she might want to get married for the person and not just TV. <gasps> Jenna doing something for someone else and not herself? That's a character turn. Scandal. Yeah. Scandal. No, uh, so yeah, this is the second live episode of 30 Rock. Until the third act, this is kind of a messy episode. Like, I just feel like it's kind of not quite sure what it wants to be if that makes sense i kind of disagree i like okay. i it doesn't have a like coherent or strong plot but i think that's the point i think they basically wanted to do a series of sketches yeah. and not necessarily uh incredibly plot driven episode um but because this is literally about the history of live television and how we look at things today that come from old and reevaluate them. Anyway, there's a ton of talk about this episode. Also, it's a little ironic that a lot of the scenes looking back at old live TV are parodying real shows that NBC showed in his past, and they kind of show why they were so, I don't know, like looking from today back then, they were so, for lack of a better term in my head right now, problematic. But it's ironic because this episode is was pulled from streaming services and no longer available for basically the, the same reason. Looking back from today's light, it doesn't hold up in today's light. Right, even though it's satirizing the commentary of blackface and well, and using blackface, but uh, yeah, like there's a lot of history in this episode. But history, it's it's now lost to history because it's not really accessible outside of DVDs. And I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled it from future DVD releases. I'm not sure how they do that. Because I know The Simpsons did it with the Michael Jackson episode, but I don't know if 30 Rock would do that with their home media. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much of a reprint that the series gets on home media, but yeah. No, I don't think I don't think like it's a bad episode. I just think until that third act reveals that Tracy's story being on a live telethon is the hook that got Liz to be against the man and Jack, sort of his start in G's like rise. I just feel like yeah, you're right. It's just a a moment for them to just be SNL for a little while and just do a bunch of skits. Which, I mean, that is where they all where Tracy and Liz or Tina came from. So it kind of makes sense. But I just feel like a lot of the skits are just kind of like meh. Like I mean, the Dean Martin parody is kind of like I don't know. It's it's just so chaotic. Like I mean. It's just joke after joke after joke, and there's not enough room to breathe on some of them. I don't know. I, we can get into it as we go go along, but uh, I yeah. do like Jenna's plot is, is a lot of fun. 
Like she's not really part of anything except for her story. Like she's not involved in the in the vote or in anything like that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I actually think the part where they tie it together and the last act is the clunkiest part of the episode <laughs> because I mean, to your, basically we're saying like the origin story for all three of these people and their path to where they are now is the result of some coincidence that's like right. literally never been remotely referenced or covered before in the history of the show. And I mean that that in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's like for some reason it's like. I wonder in the planning of this episode, like if that was their starting point, they want to do something that ties into a moment in history that was the start for all of them, or if they came to it later when they were putting this episode together, because it just feels like they're like, you know, it's like this big reveal about their history, but it just feels like, I don't know, like I can see where someone's like, oh, that's so cool. Well, to me, it's like we, they just kind of throw it together, threw together a lot mm-hmm. of coincidence that. You know, a a GE exec just happened to be answering phones on the telephone, which I mean, well, he wasn't an exec at the time. He was well. I'm sorry, you're you're, true. That's true. So, but but still, some random employee was answering the phones at the same time that the person who's now the star, the star of the show, was in a. Uh, I guess well not a sketch but like a dance a performance dance performance. Yeah, they're turned into a comedy routine, and the person that calls to prank the GE employee is a writer on the show of the performer yeah. doing the comic. Well, it was just clunky, but I think if they had done that in the second act, it probably would have hit a little harder. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does hit in the third act and there's like, oh, we got two more minutes. We got to wrap everything up. So it does, it, it is like a, a hurried finish. Yeah. But I, don't know, I think it's, it's kind of cute too. Like, oh, it's it's goofy. That, oh, yeah, I guess. And I mean, it's not in itself that those things are unrealistic because I totally believe that Liz Lemon like would have been inspired in her career by some prank call, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and obviously in fiction, like, as often built on coincidence, that's not so realistic. So it's not that it's not realistic for me. It's just like it felt like they were trying really hard to tell you, like, oh, look at all these people. All their origin moments were, like, intertwined, which is so weird. And it is kind of an also, like, weird way that that convinces them that live TV must be saved, despite the fact that Kenneth has given all these really poignant moments in NBC's history of being of live TV but no the one thing that does end up saving it is that all oh, they just have this weird coincidental connection that saves it and it's just like alright well but it's TV so you kind of forgive it but at the same time it's just like there's like five pieces of evidence that kind of presented, presented to you and that wasn't enough but I don't know well to be fair his examples weren't very good well the in fact his examples are a reason why there shouldn't be live TV the honeymooner spoof was good I mean, it was. Oh no! No, no! The sketches were good, but I mean, as kind of saying the evidence, showing them as evidence of why live TV is necessary. Uh, like they all kind of sort of proved the opposite at this point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, two people die yeah. on screen. Exactly. Yeah, that's not a good look. But as Thirty Rocks, you know, from Thirty Rock perspective, I, I mean, I thought that was all funny and good. But from kind of making Nargan perspective, it wasn't so great for his point. I guess. Yeah. Um, but this is. Um, this is a busy episode, so probably going to go a little bit longer than we usually do. Um, but uh, this is similar to the last live episode. They did two versions because they did an East Coast and a West Coast version. So we'll be sure to do our best to point out uh, most of the differences in each uh, each coast's airing. Most of them are very minor, like a couple of line changes and things like that. Nothing too major. Like the story plots will all be the same. But it's just like certain like cameos and things like that might be a little bit different or a line read is a little bit different or something like that. Nothing too crazy. But uh, any other thoughts on live from Studio 6H before we hop in? 
I feel like there's a lot to talk about. And so let's hop in. All right. So uh, Cold Open is going to set up, uh, well, the main plot of the storyline. And TGS is no longer going live. Live television? Who cares? Who cares? Everybody. We love live TV. Do we, Lemon? Do you really love the overzealous studio audience who applaud at anything? Here in the greatest city on earth, New York, baby, what's up? Jack, because TGS is live. Not anymore. It's financially impractical. From now on, you write and shoot the whole season in two weeks, like Wheel of Fortune or Fox News. <laughs> no, I mean, I grew up on live TV. Friday night in my parents' basement, a telethon, a cheesesteak. I can see it like it was yesterday. So they do do a good job of at least setting that up for the big payoff at the end of yeah. the episode. So that's that from within the episode itself. I guess that's a yeah good moment in the way they set it up. But I guess they couldn't afford Julia Julia Louis Dreyfus this time. Well, she would have been filming Veep by 2012, right? Amy Poehler's filming Parks and Recreation. She made time for it. Well, what's what's Louis Dreyfus's? I guess they didn't have the Seinfeld money in the games this time. <laughs> Uh, that's that's where the first difference is. It's still Amy Poehler in the West Coast version, but her line's a little bit different where she screams uh, best sweet 16 ever instead of best prom night ever. So it's, again, just like minor things throughout that. Um, TGS has to be live or we'll lose all the excitement and spontaneity. I mean, that's the beauty of live TV. Anything can happen. There's a bathroom in here you could use Sir Paul McCartney. <laughs> a bathroom in here you can use cable town co-worker Kim Kardashian See? awesome yes uh, but my way is cheaper and you only have to work two weeks out of the year I want to go to there <laughs> so it's settled tonight is TGS's final live show what no, live television is an American tradition. You can't just throw it away. Sorry, Kenneth. It's a done deal. Our last live show? No. I'm so the second change in the West Coast version is uh, Kim Kardashian is the one that comes in to use the restroom, not Sir Paul McCartney. But I think... I, I can't really tell if Alec Baldwin is genuinely shocked to see him or if he's just acting really well because, like, his reaction seems like I had no... Because, I mean, obviously they could have gotten anybody and if they right. obviously got Kim Kardashian for the second version, maybe he was expecting her and they got Paul McCartney or something like that. But uh, I don't know, his, his, his uh, reaction just seems, like, super genuine. Although Paul McCartney's definitely, like, playing to the crowd. Like, why is he... If he's in the realm of 30 Rock, he shouldn't be waving to an audience kind of thing. But then again... Well, Jack, I mean... You've had the worst no, before where Jack, like, talks... This gets the, exactly, the crowd, like... The, the cheap pop of, yeah, of referencing York. the city that you're in kind of thing. Um, 
But uh, this is not the first time that I remember seeing like Paul McCartney in like an odd situation <laughs> or playing to the crowd. So this was kind of you remember Beatles? You remember the the game Rock Band? Yes. And then they did a Beatles Rock Band. Yes. So when they announced it on stage at the E3 video game conference they have every year, they asked Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr to be on stage literally for 60 seconds. They didn't do anything. They were just like, please welcome Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. And they go out there and they're just like, like waving to the crowd and like being really awkward. And then like, I think it's Ringo or Paul McCartney goes like, like looks at the screen. Like there's like video playing that. Oh, that looks just like us. And then that's it. And then they're <laughs> like, and I'm one thing is like, well, that's fucking awkward. But also, like, how much did they get paid? Just they got paid a lot of money for those sixty seconds. Yeah, like it's just like it's insane. But I mean, well, hey, that way you're still gonna get the headline of Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr showed up at the yada yada. That's and, true. I mean, if they said anything more than that, it's not like you would get that much more press out of that's it. That's true. So. Yeah, it's just it was a bizarre moment. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was something like they just like us, yeah. I didn't know I could be a robot. Something like something like that. It's just really. They didn't have many more lines in here. Uh, yeah, he's got one more line in exactly. here. <laughs> so we have our live uh, opening song, similar to the last time where Jenna sings the East Coast version, and Danny or Cheyenne Jackson sings the West Coast version. And so in this one he's only in one scene so on the west coast he gets two scenes wow they do explain in a way why he's been missing it's not satisfying in any way because he's not a bigger part of this episode so it's just kind of like forgettable and I think that's why a lot of people forgot that he was gone for so long anyway maybe um, he was understudying Julia Louis-Dreyfus in a deep Let's go, it's the 30 Rock Live Show, the Pacific time. That is true, we'll prove this live to you. I'll sing the latest news from the NFL Draft. The Niners drafted wide receiver AJ Jenkins. Anyway, uh, similar to the last time, uh, Jenna's last line in this is uh, a play on the, because she, she's making up the words as she goes along, and she ends with, well, she teases that there's a special nudity at the end of the episode and liberals want to destroy America. And in Cheyenne Jackson's version, um, to prove that it's a live show, he'll sing the latest news from the NFL, NFL draft and the Niners drafted wide receiver AJ Jenkins, which I guess the NFL draft is held every the same time every year because the NFL draft was just last night of this recording. So that's a fun fact, I guess. Anyway. Sure. Back from the uh, the opening, uh, we have Hazel, who we haven't seen in a little while, so but she's ready for her big break. There's a rumor that's spreading around here like wildfire, but unlike the wildfires I've started, this one doesn't sexually arouse me. <laughs> it's true, Hazel. Tonight's gonna be our last live show, but don't worry, it won't affect you. <laughs> Unless my plan all along was to run on stage during a sketch and get discovered by Hollywood. <laughs> Liz, important me announcement. Paul and I have decided to get married. Oh, 
Wow. And I told Paul that he should propose to me tonight on TG. Absolutely not. You didn't let me finish. S. Jenna, come on, it's our last live show. Exactly. And if Jenna Maroney is getting engaged, it's going to be on live TV. I've been working on my reaction since I was three. <gasps> it's happening, Liz. Miss Lemon, Mr. Jordan just discovered you can get pornography on the internet. Oh my god, he's gonna die in there. That's kind of an odd thing to believe that Tracy just now found out about Yeah, that is a little bit But I mean, it, it's a ruse anyway, so. Yeah. But for her to believe that is kind of dumb on her, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Hazel's, uh, Hazel's back and she's implementing her plan to become discovered in a an all too, well not all too familiar, but in, a, in an interesting way by the end of the episode, she does something I feel like is, I, I will, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. It's another reference to TV's past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I do like the, the line read of Jenna saying he's going to propose to me tonight on TG. No, absolutely not. You didn't let me finish. And then she just has to say, like, it's just, it's such a silly Silly line. Oh, yeah, because the, uh, obviously the typical TV trope is to be like, you didn't let me finish and then go in a completely different direction, right. but they keep it in completely the same direction. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you would think, well, I guess it, Liz isn't too much worried about raising. I feel like a proposal on, on TV was definitely a trope of like 80s and 90s. Like they would all, cause I think it was uh, Felicia Rashad on The Cosby Show got to got promoted, proposed to in an episode by or maybe it wasn't during the episode no it wouldn't have happened during the episode because obviously she's married in the show but I think like for the crowd and the audience that she was proposed to during the on set kind of thing I feel like that happened a lot in the 80s and the 90s I'm blanking on other examples right now all the times on the jumbotron at the sports games oh god that feels like trashy to me I don't know Oh, I'm sorry. Is that how your parents got engaged? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't want to call it trashy. I don't know. It just seems like mm, not something I would do. I guess maybe not trashy is the right word. It just seems a little... Why would you want attention? I, well, I mean, if that's what you're doing it for attention, I feel like that's for the wrong reasons. Kind of similar to it's A bunch of Jenna Maroney's. A bunch of Jenna Maroney's at the ball Trying stadium. to get people to care. But it typically happens at, like, baseball, right? I feel like you don't hear about having, like, basketball. Oh, no, maybe basketball. No, no, for too. sure. I feel like basketball. Because football? I feel like football. Uh, I guess you don't hear about it much there, but... but baseball I mean, and basketball. Yeah, that's probably where you hear about it the most, I guess. Hmm. Anyway. Now we get a 12 Angry Men parody slash homage. You called a meeting, Lemon. Actually, I called it. Gasp! <laughs> Live television is sacred, and we are not leaving this room until the 12 of us have agreed to defend her. There is a great American play that was first written and performed for live television. It's called 12 Angry Men. No, we are not debating this like a jury. Shut him down, Jack. 12 Angry Men is preposterous, Kenneth. 11 decent Americans are swayed by Jane Fonda's father. Open the door. (laughs) How long do you think you're going to get away with this? Hannah or Hazel or Jenna will know that we're missing. Have an amazing 
show tonight, everyone. I love you all. Tonight's the night, Hazel. I do my surprise cameo. It goes viral. I take medicine for it. Next stop, Hollywood, Florida, to get the card from my mom. Next stop, California, Pizza Kitchen, to tell my old boss Nadine to suck it. Next stop, Tinseltown, because Christmas decorations are really cheap this time of year. Well, I guess Hannah and Jaisal are paying too much attention to themselves to notice. Man. Things that happen on live TV, the flubs and the bloopers. Uh, no, I love that Hazel line of similar, like just a similar setup of where you think it's going to go and then it misdirects and it just keeps going. It's yeah, just, it's a very 30 Rock. Absolutely. Like, Next stop, Hollywood, piece. Florida, to right. get the car for my mom. And, and then do that exactly thing for like three or four jokes. <laughs> yeah. It's just super silly. But back in the uh, makeshift jury deliberation room, we get our first uh, history of live television in the Honeymooner spoof. Nothing brings our country together like live television. And Studio 6H is a part of that tradition. Why, it was right here that NBC broadcast the final episode of the 1950s classic, The Lovebirds. It's the Craft Product Placement Comedy Hour, sponsored by Craft Singles. Made with milk, it's the cheese that won World War II. And now, Lovebirds, starring Cubby Gilmore and Loretta Fields. I'm home, baby! And I could eat a horse! Don't you dare touch that bank until it's done, Larry! Oh, brother, now I'm cooking a turkey, too. That's rich. One of these days, Doris, I'm going to take a shotgun and blam, blow your face off. It would still be better than our honeymoon. What was wrong with Niagara Falls? Your mother found it chilly. You're a real cut-up. In fact, one of these days, I'm going to cut you up in pieces and feed you to the neighbor's dogs. be the first time you're taking me out for dinner in years. Ah, uh, keep it up, Doris. And bang, zoom, I'm going to drown you in the bathtub and say a mental patient did it. Like I always say. That's a funny thing to say. This is real. Real heart attack. Here. Eat the bacon. It'll lubricate your heart. Ride it out. Ride it to hell. Now, come on, now, Larry. Don't be a sissy. I'm having a heart attack, too. My marriage is a sham. My makeup lady is my lover. So obviously, a honeymooner spoof with the lovebirds, which is a vague memory. Like I, I, I remember the honeymooners. Like growing up, it was like a show I think ran on like Nick at Night and things like that when I was younger. But it, at this time, it's I don't know if you could find it even streaming on like one of those old or TV channels that really deals with like Annie Griffith and shows of that nature, like cozy TV. Maybe it's still, but it's probably not just because, I mean, if if we're, you know, 
losing things to history or, or losing shows that probably didn't hold up or age very well in terms of the content. Like, I mean, he used beating his wife as a metaphor. So, like, so yeah. not not a great look, but obviously it inspired things like the Flintstones and countless sitcoms to come after that. So, like, it, it's it's owed its place in history for obviously setting a template for sitcom, but at the same time, a lot of the content in those shows are questionable and probably just wouldn't yeah. shine as they once did. That's what they're really carrying here, where like each of his lines is like a more deranged thing of what he's yeah. going to... Beating his wife. Yeah. And just because... I mean, she is snarky, but she doesn't deserve to get shot in the face by a shotgun or drowned in the bathtub and blamed on a mental patient or fed to dogs. Like, she doesn't deserve anything like that, but... Anyway, yeah. yikes. Um, did you know that The Honeymooners only lasted one season? No fucking way. It was like a 39-episode season or something like that, really? I think. But it was only... I Yeah, I mean, I, I would have guessed just based on its legacy that it had been around for, I mean, at least a few years. But, yeah, it premiered in October 1955, and its last episode was in September 1956. So it's one of those shows that... I guess had a big, big impact despite uh, not short, actually having yeah. a ton of yeah having a short run. Also, um, at the end before they cut back or before they cut to the Doctor uh, Switchman commercial, there's a really cute uh, callback to the first live episode where in the first episode when each scene went haywire, like there was a cut to an NBC technical difficulties turkey in color, and in this one at the end of every at the end of every live TV flashback scene. When something goes wrong, there's a cut to the same Peacock NBC technical difficulty screen, but it's a slightly different animation in black and white. Oh, that's color, fun. That's a nice touch. That's yeah. nice. I wonder if those are like legitimate technical difficulties they just had like in their library and they're just using those, or if they were created specifically. I think the last one was definitely specific for the first set of episodes was definitely specifically for this because like it was like a cute, I remember it was a bit cute, like disoriented turkey that was just like holding up a little tool and like and this one is sort of similar it's not as cartoonish but because of that I would guess this one was also created for this but I'm not I don't don't as certain about that but well do you know how long the Flintstones ran? I'm going to think it might be less than I think Let's say three seasons. Oh, six seasons. Oh, okay, fifty-six okay. episodes. Oh, which... I thought you were trying to do a. <laughs> no, I, I mean it's just it's it's yeah. funny that the show that it was inspired by only lasted one season, whereas this yeah. ran considerably. But this def- like the Flintstones definitely felt like a show that had infinite amount of episodes as a kid because it was just on. All, it was in heavy syndication, so yeah. just and there was no through line, so like every episode just kind of was like a standalone. But do you remember the Jetsons? Yeah, that was a show that only lasted one season when it initially aired in the sixties, and then they brought it, they rebooted it in the eighties, mid eighties, and it lasted, I think, just like two two more seasons after that. But I I was Simpsons. I remember the same with the Jetsons. Like I thought it was a show that was on forever and just had infinite episodes. No, it did not have as much of a legacy as I thought. That's that makes me wonder, like, because I feel like it's one of those shows that was shown all the time mm-hmm. on various cartoons so it's like was i constantly re-seeing episodes and just didn't notice it or did i not watch it as often as i think right because i don't remember feeling oh this is the same episode over you know i've seen this episode because like yeah or anything like that so even as a kid if you watch an episode that you've seen a thousand times you're still like into it because it's yeah. you know still entertaining but they are bringing back flintstones uh which has been like a recurring. I feel like every year they talk about it. Cause I think Seth MacFarlane 
was involved. I'm not sure if he's involved. With he's not in this one. He wasn't. But the, he was for a while going to yeah. be uh, doing a reboot of the Flintstones. But I guess that never panned out. Or I mean, dude's busy. He's working like four different shows. So like, I I understand if he gave the reins up. But I feel like Family yeah. Guy is very much stemming from the Flintstones template. So it makes sense why he'd want to have a hand in, in working on that. But I, yeah. he's probably just too busy. This is, I mean, this is. From what it sounds like, this is a totally separate project, and also like it's maybe more of a sequel than a reboot because it's supposed to be Pebble is in her twenties, mm. which also makes me a little bit nervous because I feel like that means it's going to try to also be like very ironic, like it's going to take a different tone. And a lot of times when a reboot or a reimagination or whatever like takes a different tone from the original, like or try, especially when it tries to be like too clever, mm-hmm. like it doesn't it sometimes like doesn't work like well you don't have to worry about alienating the original audience because oh for sure gone, yeah but... i mean i'm interested to see how it turns out but i mean kind of how i think we, we recently talked about you know the the muppets abc review a few years mm-hmm. ago where it's like they basically went for a 30 rock version of the muppets which was too clever by half for the muppets brand so yeah. that's kind of what i would be worried about this would be but obviously we don't know anything beyond mm-hmm. really that log line so i mean also the thing is when you have someone like elizabeth banks attached to it as She's another a, 30 rock connection yeah and i mean she's a producer she's a director so she's gonna be super busy so it's the same like when you have too many prestigious actors involved in a show the idea that lasting that long seems like it's not going to be around like ducktales mm. not to say that like uh, a lot of those voice actors are in high demand but uh, i mean david Tennant is kind of like he has his reputation as like a doctor who kind of person and you know, Bobby Moynihan and, oh my God, Danny Pudi and Ben Schwartzman, like they have growing careers. So like to expect them to be on a show for 10 seasons is probably going to be a little high expectations that maybe kind of lower thing. I don't know. So like a show like this, if it is going to be too clever for its own good, we'll see. Like I'll probably check it out just to see how it looks and, and anything. But yeah, if it's, I just don't know what the demographic would be because even we've aged out of Flintstones and we grew up on it in syndication when we were when it was considered essentially too old for us because it was 20 30 years old by the time we were seeing it so then for us to have grown up with it we're now mid 30s going to be 40s too old for it so like it then it's relying on a younger generation to get it and the younger generation is probably not going to get it because if they didn't grow up with the Flintstones they're not going to like it's just it's it's a risk yeah. but we'll see how but it I mean goes. yeah but it, it's very well known <laughs> IP and there's definitely going to be a curiosity factor Absolutely. so it's going to definitely have a big initial interest like whether mm-hmm. that pans out like obviously comes down to whether people like it or not right and so I mean good, I feel like but... it'll probably be like an all in a family like F- Fred is like an old doddering near retirement kind of guy I'm just like oh why can't you be like the old generation and Pebbles being like a rebellious <clears throat> millennial or Gen Z kind of character of rebellion and things like that so it's just like you kind of it's a very fine line to kind of tread so we'll see we'll see how it goes I'm, i trust they could do something with it let's see they could do something with it no i mean something well no. <laughs> anyway we get our first uh faux commercial in dr heinrich's spaceman or spachemin i wonder if he's related to leo spachemin proud nazi doctor hello i'm nazi doctor heinrich spachemin I mean, doctor. <laughs> we can edit that out, right? Oh, it's live. 
Are you a modern housewife who is in the family way? Smoke Chatterton cigarettes. Your baby's lungs need refreshing nicotine for science reasons. And his growing bones need tars to hold him together. Nine out of ten doctors surveyed said, who is this? Why are you calling so late? But the tenth guy was into it. Chatterton's taste so cool and mild. A treat for you and your unborn child. I'm Dr. Harold Spichemin. I'm known in the industry as the gay doctor because I always have a smile on my face because I have so many homosexual lovers. Are you a modern woman who is in the family way? Smoke Chatterton cigarettes! Your baby's lungs need refreshing nicotine for science reasons. And his growing bones need tar to hold them together. Nine out of ten doctors surveyed said, You got a lot of nerve calling here, Spajemin, after what you tried on my nephew. <laughs> Chatterton's taste so cool and mild. A treat for you and your unborn child. Official cigarette of the American Heart Association. Everyone knows cigarettes are good for you. Oh, yeah, they keep your bones together. Yeah. It's exactly. not muscles or tissue. No, it's the tar. Chatterton. It's the tar. Yeah. Uh, there is a small, I forgot to mention this in the Honeymooner spoof, the lovebirds, I guess. Uh, the difference in the West Coast version, instead of saying, um, my marriage is a sham, she says, I got syphilis from Orson Welles. <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. Okay, that's actually. a better joke. All right. Uh, well, we'll have to watch the West Coast version. Um, and then for this scene, the, this is this is kind of the thing about um, Chris Parnell, and I, re I remember this from his time on SNL and, I, and, and a lot of SNL skits, is when you have like these folk commercials and you have a live audience, there's a lot of like really great lines that you cannot quite hear sometimes because they're yeah. drowned out by laughter or applause. Like it really tarnished, or not tarnished, but it really hurt a lot of, I think, like the, the uh, digital shorts that the Lonely Island would do is they would have fantastic lines that would sort of be like low volume, that if you miss, then it's just like, because the laughter or whatever, that it's just yeah. like, fuck, man, that should have gotten a better laugh. But like here, like you can barely hear the Nazi doctor yeah. line. Like, I mean, if you're not wearing, if you're not paying, looking for it, or you're not paying too much attention, if you're, and you don't have subtitles on, you miss it. And then the whole joke of, it's, it's a, it's a fine line of, of loud audience reactions and still getting your jokes in. And it's, it's, yeah. Sometimes they just get lost, like, in that particular bit there. But anyway. Well, I kind of also wanted to talk about, I guess, old-timey product placement quickly, because there, obviously there's a cigarette out here, but there's the reference at the top of the Honeymooner skit, where it's, like, basically, like, Kraft is sponsoring the whole segment. And, like, that's mm -hmm. something that, I mean, if you go back and watch Old Promming, like, all the time was, like, so-and-so product presents the blah-blah-blah variety hour or presents mm -hmm. the show or whatever, and you don't have it anymore. And I feel like people complain about product placement and ads and stuff, but, like, it's always been there. Like, I mean, it's, it's to some degree, like, you know, TV and radio where, like, content is the medium to sell advertising, I guess. So, right. I don't know. Like, in a way, although in a way, like, I kind of find, like, that old, that old kind of old stuff charming. Like, especially if, when when Game Show Network 
a while ago. These are some like really, really old games, like What's My Line, stuff like that. Like they would have that, like blah 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 presents the blah blah blah. Right. And it's just like I guess because I guess because also it's so like it just seems so old tiny since that doesn't really happen as much these days. Like you'll usually have a bunch of sponsors that are rattled off or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like kind of like oh that's like so like charming. right yeah. Like I mean now unless it's like I mean Apple was probably infamous for you I think you talked about it like the morning show like everything was an Apple product that they were using they yeah. made sure they were showcasing like Apple phones and which that's on an Apple streaming service so I get it. I, it it's it's subtle for the most part but it's also still like of course they're using Apple products they're selling a brand that makes sense but yeah like it, it's now it's just it's far more subtle that product placement is there because you'll see like in certain credits especially a lot of NBC shows if you watch the credits a little too closely you'll see it's like wardrobe provided by or uh, you know Apple commercial consideration, commercial consideration yeah. provided by Apple or something they just it's it's more subtle but like I mean not to bring it back up but the Flintstones infamously had ads of Winston cigarettes something you would never sell on TV now much less with a cartoon aimed at families selling cigarettes but yeah I think was, it's banned now right cigarette ads or TV ads or Band, yeah, I think in the in the mid to late nineties, it yeah. became more and more taboo to to sell cigarettes in that way. I think they still have magazine ads. I think, yeah, I don't know, yeah. but yeah, TV ads or I think even billboards you don't see selling cigarettes anymore. Which hey, that's whatever. I yeah. got no dog in that fight, so it's it's fine. Uh, but yeah, yeah. and then, well, the other thing about watching like really old stuff is like a lot of the products like some don't exist anymore so it's like and it's, it just it's like sort of like blah 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 soap powder or just like I stuff mean, it just sounds like, like that's something that someone no one's used in 50 years the price is right is blatant product advertising oh, for sure so that's all yeah i mean that's the whole point of the show is, is you're, so, you're, you're only gonna win on that if you know all of these things yeah. it's kind of like yeah no it is funny that people bicker about product placement but it's it's so yeah. much more subtle now than it ever was yeah. which i mean i get it like i mean i don't like ads either and you know like who like i get the, the ad free stuff because i mean ads can be annoying but mm-hmm. still it's like i don't know like it, also like it's just that's always the way it's been i guess yeah so. i think the big annoyance that people have is just the repetition in ads like i know there's a lot of people on podcasts or whatever that talk about like they'll be watching a streaming service and it's the one that they actually have to use ads on because they, they don't pay for the premium service or whatever, but it's like, they'll just see the same three ads every commercial break. Mm. And it's like either yeah. something with their cookies or something with just the ad space that time is the same Tide ad, same Goodyear mm. ad, and same Ford ad, just in repetition. And it's just like, at some point you either like tune it out, which most of people do, or you're just like, this is annoying and stupid, and I don't like it. And this is why I don't like ads in the first place. So. Yeah. Well, it's not just streaming. Like, during the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. last month, like, I mean, it's the same big sponsor. So it's like every ad break was a lot of this. And there was, like, I don't know what Coke was thinking. Coke ran this, like, bizarre, like, Twilight-inspired ad series of, like, uh, basically two people who were, like, half human, half, like, some. I don't know, supernatural creature or something, and like talking like these creepy voices, and like, and because it's for cherry vanilla coke or whatever, so like they're like, oh, you can you cherry and vanilla in the same coke, but it's like it's just so creepy to me. Like I have I I don't we don't need to get into all of that, but anyway, it's an ad that kept it was just repeated over and over uh-huh. and over and well, over. Did you buy any cherry coke? No, uh-huh. I have I've bought no I haven't bought cherry coke, vanilla coke, cherry vanilla coke, or regular coke. Try harder coke. Yeah, I don't know. Like 
I'm so, I mean, as privileged as it is to say, I'm so happy that I don't see ads much anymore. Like the only time is on Wednesdays when I'm watching wrestling is the only time. And only because it's live. If I'm watching it like the next day and it's like VOD or whatever, I'm skipping that shit because I don't fucking care about the movies that are being shown on TNT. I don't care about any of the stuff that you are trying to sell me because I don't need you eugenics or nugenics or whatever. My testosterone is perfectly fine. I don't need any that runs on the during soccer matches a lot too, which it makes sense because it's a yeah. it fits the demographic. That's oh, for sure, this. So yeah. I get, it makes, but it's just like I don't need to see. I see this ad literally three times every week, and they're slightly different, but it's always still trying new gen. And my favorite part is the fact that because the offer code changes every week, mm-hmm. that you hear a poorly dubbed in text. Zero eight, zero eight, two new genics. That's zero eight. Like it's just, it's, yeah. They didn't even try to keep it the same. They got to track their leads. Yeah, that's fine. But it's just so no, silly. Yeah, that is fine. So back from the real faux commercial break and the real commercial break, which in the faux commercial there was also a difference in the line delivery, in that uh, on the joke of the nine out of the ten doctors, instead of saying "Who is this? Why are you calling so late?" but the tenth was into it, they say "You've got a lot of nerve calling here, Spichemin, after what you tried on my nephew." Which, it's a bit Ooh. of a darker joke. Um, well, knowing that it's a Nazi, that could be a multitude of things. Well, I say, I mean, uh, well, I, I, I'm pretty clear. I mean, obviously, not they ran a lot of uh, not very uh, ethically sound experiments. Oh, absolutely. Back in those times. Yeah. Uh, and the tagline is different. In this version, it is the official cigarette of the U.S. Olympic team. Another joke, it's very hard to hear because it's under a lot of applause and laughter. In the West Coast version, it is Chatterton's official cigarette of the American Heart Association. <laughs> it's a better joke. Anyway, back from the faux and real commercial break. Guess who's back? Jenna, remember that package you made me take to Singapore last summer? I just got out of Changi Prison. Oh, thank you. Just portion control and exercise. <laughs> Did you pick up the ring? Liza Minnelli's baby tooth surrounded by rubies that passed through a terrified Michael Kors. It'll look amazing on camera. Look, I don't want to propose on TV. I want it to be private. What are you saying, Paul? Rick Santorum is right. Marriage is a sacred union between a man and a woman, which is why I'm asking you right now to make me the luckiest schman on the face of the Look, I'm sorry to pull the biological woman card here, but according to Roe v. Dwayne Wade, I have a right to choose, and I choose a televised proposal. If you can't give me that, I'm not sure what my answer will be. Are you giving me an ultimatum? Look, I am the man here, Jenna. I may have a dress and a wig and a gynecologist, but I am the man. And it's kind of interesting that this episode was put for blackface when like arguably like that scene is well no i'm not not the i'm not say the blackface inoffensive but i mean looking at it from a current culture like at least the, the blackface scenes are presented in a way that like it's supposed to be like this is a terrible thing whereas like the lines in that scene are more straightforward in a way that's not you know what i mean like again it's the sort of thing where looking back now to then it's like oh oh that doesn't hold up in the same right. way because the line I've lost the this man line that's that's come up 
often in that storyline, but just like the I know kind of lines about like pull the biological woman card, like just like it just stuff that is a little oof. Yeah. Back then it was played for jokes. Nowadays yeah. it would be played sincerely, but it'd still be like, is that funny or is it? Just well, like- I think I think I think they could have the same basic concept. Just the writing would be handled yeah. differently, yeah, and like in a way that's more funny for twenty twenty one than yeah. twenty twelve. Yeah, but it's it's awkward that Danny. Who, after so many episodes, finally shows up for this one scene, gets nothing. No it's, crowd reaction, nothing. But it's almost like the show's in on it because Jenna doesn't even recognize who he is right. or just like he's a audience. fan. Yeah, and then Will Forte's appearance is two seconds right after that. And he gets, you know, which I mean, Will Forte arguably is he an SNL who he star. Is? And I mean, yeah, he was a bigger star, I think, than, than Cheyenne Jackson. But Cheyenne Jackson's on the show, whereas Paul has just been like a cameo. Same amount of episodes as Danny, but I don't know, it's just like, it's, I wonder if that affected someone's ego. Like, I feel like it probably, it probably did hurt to hear yeah. that. But anyway. Oh, like, to be fair, like at the very top of the episode, there's no applause when we first see Liz and Jack, which like I thought was kind of strange too. Cause like you, that happened in the last live episode they did when the show started. They got because there's the line of it feels different in here, and then they got like a round of applause. Yeah, but I think it would it wouldn't make that much sense for them to get a bunch of applause. Well, no, but it's just I think on live TV we're so used to the first time you see like a famous like a popular character or like just like a just like a surprise true. camera thing like you expect that. So I mean we get that when when uh, he does the New York line that we talked about earlier. But right. it's like, it just, I don't know, I guess I just, I'm so used to, oh, main character in live setting, mm-hmm. like, your applause that doesn't happen. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's much more awkward in this case because then it was the top of the show. Like, right. I don't think, like, I don't think they were affected or thought there would be applause. Yeah. But, like, this scene, you're right, that it would, I mean, that's a scenario when you have, like, lot, like, recurring guests or recurring actor who hasn't been there in a while. Right. Whatever. Like, that would be a... There's, uh, that reminds me, there was an SNL skit when John Hamm was hosting one time and they were doing like a Mad Men spoof where the uh, there's recurring characters that Jason Sudeikis and Kristen Wiig do called two a-holes and also basically they're, they're just like super douchebags like they don't they're like millennial don't pay attention to anything but they go to pitch a, an idea to the admin and when the scene is starting Elizabeth Moss who's on Mad Men is in the room and the scene and she hadn't been in the episode previously so like this is her first bit mm. nothing ooh and then when John Hamm enters, he enters with uh, the guy that plays uh, his boss on Mad Men. Oh, white hair. John Slattery. Yeah, they get a huge round of applause. So it's just like, oh no. But I think at that time, like Elizabeth Moss wasn't like a household name. Like I mean, she was on Mad Men, but like it's yeah. easy to like just overlook her. But it's just like it's it was just such a weird moment that it's just like this is yeah. the show that. You've sort of got your start on, and no one recognizes you. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that does affect. I'm sure it does. Probably not too much, but I, I wonder if that does like affect some actors when they're just like, "This is my big cameo. I'm getting ready for the applause," and it's just like nothing. And it's just yeah. like. Oh. On the other hand, I guess Shannon Jackson does come from theater, so he's probably very used to sometimes getting applause or not always getting applause where you expect it, and being right. able to like, from a you know, I guess from the in the scene perspective, like be able to handle it so maybe uh yeah i don't know <laughs> maybe he's better equipped to handle it than more like television or movie only actors would be yeah yeah i'm, I'm sure that it, it probably is like painful in the moment but a few yeah. the next day you're probably just like oh well i still got paid so who cares <laughs> right. uh, but 
to start cutting some stuff out because this is a busy episode, uh, the next uh, parody in the spoof that we have is basically like a Dean Martin talk show uh, where Alec Baldwin was playing a Dean Martin type and he's obviously just drunk out of his mind, very salacious and hitting on any and everyone that's around him and things like that. Uh, the main difference in that is when he's opening the show and he's saying we have a great show, this this episode he says, we've got a great show for you tonight, at least that's what the Jews I pay tell me. Whereas in the West Coast version he says, we've got a great show for you tonight, and even if we don't, there's only two other channels, so who cares? <laughs> All the West Coast jokes are better. better. I mean... harder. Um, uh, so when we come back from that, we then get into the obviously more controversial subject matter of this episode in that the Amos and Andy parody that we have here. Well, glamour, excitement, what we today would call alcoholism. Live television had everything. Well, not everything. Where were the black people? Oh. Actually, Mr. Spurlock, NBC had the first two black characters on TV. Sort of. For Alfie and Abner, NBC hired one African-American and one Caucasian because they thought two black people on the same show would make the audience nervous. <laughs> A rule NBC still uses today. Abner, I'm home from work. Where are you, my brother? Here I am, Alfie! doing this. NBC received a lot of complaints that their show wasn't on often enough. So they forced Theodore Freeman to honor his contract. I've done stole this catfish! <laughs> Sir, I'm asking you as a human being to please stop talking like that. I was gonna eat it until I'm belly full. <laughs> this is the basic to the both of us. I was a Tuskegee Airman. Zippity goo goo. <laughs> you may anger me, but I believe nonviolence is the path to change. And I believe you can catch a rainbow in your hat. <laughs> I'll kill you, you ignorant. Believe it or not, they did not stop doing the show, which made for tense but thrilling live TV. trying to convince us of with these detailed descriptions of television shows. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, Kenneth, times change. Television replaced radio, cars replaced horses. <laughs> well, not where I'm from. Are you telling me the mayor of your hometown is a car? <laughs> That's pretty weird. <laughs> Are you laughing at me? <laughs> okay, let's all take a little break. <laughs> Nazi Dr. Leo Spachimi. I know it's live. I want people to know. Did your mother smoke Chatterton cigarettes while pregnant during the 1950s or 60s? If she did, you probably can't hear me because of fetal Chatterton syndrome. Turn up the volume. Recent studies have shown that, while pregnancy is disgusting, babies do not need tar or nicotine. If you are currently suffering from Chatterton Syndrome, please use your bird-like claws to dial the number below. 
Then use the rectum you have instead of a mouth to say something like or to signify that you wish to join a class action suit against Chatterton's. If you have scales instead of skin, pick up the phone to Chatterton's. Test tube adult, Dr. Leo Spichimic. Did your mother smoke Chatterton cigarettes while pregnant during the 1950s or 60s? If she did, you probably can't hear me because of fetal Chatterton syndrome. Turn up the volume. Recent studies have shown that while pregnancy is disgusting, babies do not need tar or nicotine. If you are currently suffering from Chatterton Syndrome, clap your feet until your service monkey dials the number below. <laughs> then use the rectum you have instead of a mouth to say something like or to signify that you wish to join a class action suit against Chatterton's. If your mother smoked Chatterton's, your sexual organs are covered in bone. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, well, I mean, we, we talked about this before, obviously, with the, the I, think, I think when we watched the uh, first live show, that mm-hmm. was one of the episodes. It was, it was one, one, one of the Coast versions that was pulled, I right? Think it was the East Coast version. Yeah. But it's, it's the same. Thing. Yeah. Also featuring yeah. John Hammond. So we kind of had a conversation then, and I mean, yeah. I think we said, like, it's, I don't know, like, the within the realm context of the show itself like it's, de- it's you know it's definitely not presented in a positive light on their hand though that is such like an over-the-top minstrelly thing which i mean to opposite because that's what amos and andy was like it was minstrelly blackface that looking back from 2012 was like seemed pretty bad um and again obviously that's what the show's commenting on it's not endorsing right blackface but at the same time it's like john Hughes' performance is just like so cartoonishly over the top that it's like yeah it's like it's it's it, it, it is it's a little bit cringy to watch it even like knowing that 30 rock is a show isn't trying to endorse it it's right. still like oof. yeah and i think the tracy character handling the way he does is 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 the is the really funny part it's like you're not supposed to be laughing at john him character because it's so outrageous and so over the top and so offensive that that's not what's funny it's, it's, you have an African American man who's playing it completely straight and is saying this is absolutely not a, not okay. I don't agree with any of this, and he's trying in the moment to be like, please represent my people in a positive way. And he's and John Ham is or John Ham's character rather is refusing to do that and still is playing to these menstrual stereotypes. So obviously the joke there is the fact that. Tracy's character is trying to play completely straight and John Hamm being so over the top. And even in that final scene where it's, uh, it's honestly just like face journeys, the show of them sitting at the table and Tracy just like staring straight on at him. Like, don't fuck up. Don't say a fucking word. Like just that death stare. And like they, they do like an extra close, like uh, focus on each character's face. And Tracy again just has a death stare and John Hamm's like, He's making like gestures, like I'm gonna do something, and Tracy's just not feeding anything. And as soon as he just says like banjo, like he's just all over him, like that. Like that's funny because it's just like you like the fact that Kenneth sets it up with saying like live tension TV is, I mean, not something you really. I mean, can you remember the last tense live TV moment you've seen? Probably not recent. I mean, nothing tense. I mean, you probably see like awkward or cringy, but 
I can't imagine to actually see like something like that go down where there's just like a really uncomfortable situation outside of the Elizabeth Moss Madman sketch. <laughs> but uh, that was for a different reason. That wasn't racially charged. That was just no one knew who she was e- at the time. Ego, anti-ego. Right. Like, charge. I mean, obviously if Handsmaid Tale was around by that time, yeah. she'd probably get a little bit more recognition. But she, I think she was also in a... Well, that doesn't matter. But I think she was in a rough uh, relationship with Fred Armisen at the time, too, which he was uh, also in SNL, which Fred Armisen is in this yeah, episode. Yeah, he shows so, up later, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if we need to spend any more time on the Alfie and Andy. No. I mean, other than to say, I mean, as a piece of history, like, it's it's pretty shameful to look back on, which, I mean, which is 30 Rock is doing. It's I mean, sort of like it did with the honeymooner scene by exaggerating the, like, the domestic violence threats or whatever like it's looking back and saying like this was tv you know at a point in time so yeah um but i, I, I do some things are better left in the past i guess right, yeah um but they do a fun thing of when they're gonna do the sketches of framing the room so it doesn't seem like anybody's missing like in the first one you you know liz and jack are supposed to be in the room but they they frame it just a way where only people that like you're not looking for Jack and Liz because they're obviously off on another set getting ready for their sketch. But like even in this next bit where they're doing like the uh, socket, to, what was that? What was that? Laughing, laughing. Yeah. and they're doing the laughing spoof, which is that's arguably I think the weakest sketch in this one, just because it's kind of like it. That's the one to me that's like the most chaotic because it's just like it's just I don't know. It's, well, the it's way that's kind of laughing was like laughing was chaotic. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's it's the it's kind of false it's the least exaggerated parody. It's the most straightforward parody, but it's yeah. kind of cute. And then of course it has like you know like Richard Nixon like right out of to play which, Richard yeah. Nixon again. Yeah, uh, so that's nice. But there's a there's a couple more differences. Um, so also there was another folk commercial with Doctor Spaceman. It's a more it's a second uh, ad for him. But in this one, he's in the East Coast version. He says, hello, I'm Nazi Dr. Leo Spichemin. And he says, I know it's live. I want people to know. Uh, we're in this in the West Coast version. He goes, hello, I'm test tube adult Leo Spichemin. Uh, and then he um, it's more for there's a class action lawsuit against the chattered and uh, cigarettes. And in the East Coast version, he says, if you're suffering from chattered and syndrome, please use your bird like claws to dial the number below. In the West Coast version, he says, if you are currently suffering from Chatterton Syndrome, clap your feet until your service monkey dials the number below. So, yeah. um, and I mean, and he's paying for the sins of his fathers. Right, yeah. It's a direct follow to the first one where the American Heart Association was endorsing cigarettes, and they're like, oh, wait a second. I, and honestly, this one really reminded me of like the, the mesothelioma. Like, you have mesothelioma, call it, blah, 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 blah. So, consequences. All, everything that happened in the past has to be rectified today yeah. is, is the theme of the episode yeah of course yeah um and now this episode doesn't exist for sure now it's yeah. said. anyway so it's, it's one big pot of iron anyway fine. uh Sorry. and then for, no it's fine and then for the laughing uh spoof the joke that pete has of what do you get when you cross a chicken with a hippie uh is the punchline is i don't know but lbj likes them both fried and the west coast version it's what do you it's what do you get when you cross a lady driver with a Viet Cong? And the punchline is 100,000 senseless deaths. So, a little Whoa, darker. Wow. A little darker joke. But That's it's a West Coast audience, all. so they're, true. they're playing to a different audience. All those pinko commies on the West Coast. Yeah, and then um, uh, there's a lot of differences in that one. Uh, so, 
the catchphrase of the laugh and spoof is lay it on me in the east coast version in the west coast version it's do it to it uh, and Alec Baldwin appears as Richard Nixon in the East Coast version. In the West Coast version, he's playing a super foppy Paul Lind, which is another reference, uh, like sort of throwback to that '60s '70s era of comedians. Like, obviously, Paul Lind was a flaming homosexual, but he can only, what? you know, he couldn't outright say it. So, anyway, uh, there is a fun little bit where they have like a special breaking news uh, uh, report where John Hamm is also in it with Alec Baldwin, but in the West Coast version, it was Brian Williams. But this, otherwise, the scene plays out the same. So here we go. Actually, I think this might be my funniest spoof of the night because it's just like, there's a lot in here. And Only like, men can be reported. Well, because no, I mean, it's just like she's so hardened about it and they're yeah. like not even entertaining her. But we'll get there. We interrupt this program to bring you an NBC News special report from Rockefeller Center, Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. Good evening, NBC News has learned that less than an hour ago there was an explosion aboard the Apollo 13 spacecraft. David? Thank you, Chet. Chet? Thank you, David. <laughs> we are awaiting further information, David. Thank you, Chet. Let's go to the Manned Space Center in Houston and our reporter on the scene, Mr. Jamie Garnett. Jamie? Thank you, Chet and David. Uh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. Could you move out of the way of our camera? We need to talk to our new reporter, Jamie Garnett. Now, where is he? I'm Jamie Garnett, gentlemen. I spoke earlier with NASA Flight Director Glenn Lenny. Oh, listen, doll, you're not making any sense. <laughs> you're probably hysterical from menstruation. Go lie down and make sure you get plenty of iron. Maybe eat a ham salad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being told that Commander James Lovell... Honey, you have a dynamite shake, but you're going to have to shut up and let a man tell us what's happening. <laughs> now, is your father or a policeman nearby? <laughs> Look, where did you find that microphone, sugar mouth? Was it just lying there on the ground? Where is Jamie Garnett? This just in, male NBC News reporter Jamie Garnett is missing. I'm right here, you mother... Classic live television. And while they never found Jamie Garnett, that woman who stole his microphone went on to become a wife. What a great outcome. Good for her. Good job, Jamie Garnett. I mean, uh, after she committed the sin of cursing on live television. She probably couldn't get a job anywhere mm -hmm. else anyway. So good she had a backup plan of life. Good for her. Yeah. Um, There's just, there's just, there's the funny line where Chet cuts, like introduces David, like, David, this is your line to say something. And he just goes, David, and then like cuts, like, pauses for representative david and like he doesn't add anything because usually you say like in a newscast you say here's our top stories blah 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 and then you cut to the next anchor and then they have a rundown but like they did there's no rundown he's just like right back to you like I don't, that's funny to me for some reason and then the whole thing of them not even entertaining the fact that there's a female news reporter and that despite her objections and clearly her good news coverage they just they don't care just like please Give the microphone to a man. We can only take the news from so your a man. daddy or a policeman. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get there? The other side, otherwise, the Brian Williams um, change. There's, there's no difference in that scene. Although, like Liz is getting her acting chops in this episode. She's, she's done a lot of characters. Yeah, which... that is true. Because I, I think of honestly, Tina Fey is like a so-so actress overall. Mm -hmm. But in this episode, yeah, I mean, and when she plays. Just like the Alice Cramden role in the the honeymooner spoof, like she's she's actually really good. Like she has like the accent like down, yeah. and even here like her those little like southern Sorry. accent she does like it, and it play. I mean she plays yeah. it like pretty well, I guess. She's just she's always played straight, so like yeah. to see her playing a character's yeah out of character, but it's also like welcome because it's like all right, yeah. let's see what you can do. Yeah. She's good here. The movie Wine Country 
not great. Uh, I was yeah, like I cringing on. I, yeah, I don't. I don't remember. If, I, don't, I don't think you. Uh, I watched, yeah, I mean, it. I, I mean, it's definitely skippable. It's, I mean, it's fine. But it's skippable. But like her, I was cringing on her behalf for the performance she was giving in that movie. Poor, poor. But whatever. She has other things. When she's playing a uh, beleaguered comedy writer, she's she's doing fantastic. It's like it's on brand. <laughs> No, but to, but right, but the point is, but I mean, but she does. You're right, like you said, she does do a couple different things from typical her and, and uh, pulls it off. Well, so the so there's a there's a quick scene of Jenna not sure if she wants to get married through Paul's proposal unless it's on TV. So she's having a little bit of an internal fight. But uh, Hazel says if she know, if she wants to, she'll be happy to propose to her just so Jenna can have her moment and Hazel can have her moment as well. Um, the only difference in that scene, oddly enough, is just a wardrobe change. So in this in this version, she's wearing like a bright pink blouse, which would stand out on TV. It would make sense. But in the West Coast version, she's back in a page uniform. Interesting. So maybe they didn't get enough jokes or didn't mm. read well enough. So they changed it back for the West Coast version. Not entirely sure. Um, but back in the 12 Angry Men deliberation room, we find this is where we start getting that, as David would say, the clunky coincidence moment. Also, it's funny when you call it the Twelve Angry Men uh, room. You make it like you so like Twelve Angry Men is like is like doing a product placement oh, yeah. to sponsor the room. Yeah. Like the Geico <laughs> Players Lounge, the Twelve Angry Men <laughs> Deliberation Room. <laughs> All in favor of keeping TGS live? It's still not unanimous, and it never will be. This is a business, Kenneth. And if live TV went away, the only thing that would change would be NBC's profit margin. That's not true, Jackie D. <gasps> oh, come on, it wasn't that dramatic. <laughs> live TV changed my life. In 1986, my church dance crews performed on a regional telethon. It was my big break. Flashback. <laughs> this is for you, Jesus. GE employee, I was answering phones at that telephone. When you took off your clothes, they cut to the phone banks. Yes! I made a hilarious prank call to that telephone. Did the man who answered the phone sound like he had the piercing blue eyes of an ice dragon? Yes! Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, yeah. but uh, we should talk about Donald Glover. Yeah, I was saying, I mean, talking about the clunkiness is like as part of like I guess the narrative of this episode, but like as like the standalone scene, like I think the pieces are great. Like Donald Glover, like he just like goes for it. Oh, he just like, I mean, he, he's actually like really, I don't know, very believable. Is like Tracy George, like starting out, just wants to do his like dance thing, and then <laughs> wait, wait, I am a funny person. Right. And you can you can see where like that tilt, like just by that declaration of wait, I you know I'm a funny or whatever yeah. the exact line is, where it's like the tilt's like where he is to his current character so it's, yeah. it's really good and, it, and there's a fun visual joke of their shirts because they're doing it for a dance troupe for a church it's St. Ray Ray's Blaflick Church which <laughs> fun portmanteau of black and catholic 
Um, but yeah, I mean, so Donald Glover at this time would be tearing it up in Community, um, which would have been its 2012. I think that would have been its second or third season. Hmm. No, maybe its fourth season. Because that's premiered 2009. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, third or fourth season. Um, but yeah, again, Donald Glover, known writer on 30 Rock, never been on 30 Rock. Well, no, he's, that's not true. He's been on a, like background ep- characters, but he gets a larger amount of applause than poor, poor Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Man. I mean, at this point, has Donald Glover been on 30 Rock more than <laughs> No. <laughs> no. No, I know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think. But Rachel Dratch probably has. If you add up all her cameos in season one, it probably outweighs. I mean, yeah, she definitely had all of Danny's time to Danny's on the entire. Yeah. She was in one season and a couple of episodes throughout the rest of the series. But even even that culminates, I think, more than Danny will be on the entire show when he's been there since season three or four, three. Yikes! Uh, long time was it? Uh, but we're getting really into the. Uh, the climax and the reveal that everyone is connected in a fun Jimmy Fallon and unspoken role with, um, uh, God, I just said his name earlier, Fred Armisen as a telephone phone person. As he literally creeps into the picture. It's so funny. Hello? I'd like to speak to General Electric. Madam. I'm afraid you're confused. I was a nurse in the war, and I met him when he was just a colonel. He's the father of my child. General Electric is not a person. Toby, come talk to your father. Daddy, it's your son, Toby Electric. I can tell by your voice that you are a very ungainly teenage girl from southeastern Pennsylvania. Young lady, no one, no one jokes down General Electric. And if I ever... Do do you mind? Get my thick, manly hands on you. I will roast you alive in an oven I designed myself using two, no, three kinds of heat. I'm Jack Donaghy, damn it. So again, I should say, like, Amy Poehler doing her thing is fantastic. Like, all the individual, like, flashback bits are good, like, individual scenes. It's just, like, the the whole tying together, it's supposed to be, like, the origin thing again is where it clunks for me. It's a very loose, thin string. And I just want to make that clear, because I do think the individual scenes, like, are really funny. It's just how, yeah, it's just their function, like, in the overall thing. Anyway. Uh, but no, I, I basically, Fred Armisen is doing what Hazel's want to do this entire episode, <laughs> just like be on screen and still focus, and he does such a good job of it because he's in an insanely over-the-top uh, cross-dressing outfit with an insane like '60s hairstyle and floral print like dress. But he's just like he's playing so hard to the camera that it's and it, I mean it definitely makes like whether that is ad lib or not like it takes jimmy fallon out of the moment to like look back and like what the fuck's going on and it, it hurries his lines along too because when he goes i'm gonna cook you in an oven of two no three like the there should be a pause of two no three like the line yeah. should be a little bit better so it's him making up for lost time but uh anyway fred armison does a fantastic job in his small little cameo of just yeah. stealing focus that's all he's doing <laughs> but you're right it is like a, i wonder if that was intentional like mirror like hazel kind of like 
Because, I mean, it, it, you're right. It was sort of like just how, like, she, like, she pops in the scene with, like, her little face and, like, does, like, little whatever expression. Yeah. So. yeah. It's so funny, though. But it's yeah. such a... It's a visual joke, so it doesn't, it doesn't quite yeah. work. But it's also lost to time because this episode no longer exists. Oh, no. But, uh, there's a small change in that episode or in that scene where there's no longer the I can tell by your voice, yada, yada, yada. Um, it just cuts right to no one jokes down General Electric and Liz uh, or Amy Poehler responds with, yeah, except your mom last night. Better joke. West Coast got the better jokes. Yeah. Also, that scene made me think of How I Met Your Mother because it's like the whole like General Electric. Like that was a very like... General Electric? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, it's... They're not the first to make that joke. Oh, for sure. They, I feel like, popularized it or at least reminded people that that's actually kind of a funny... Yeah, yeah, because it was a recurring bit, I think. So, TGS Live is saved, and uh, now it's on, and that storyline is wrapped up. Now we got to wrap up the Gemma B story in a fun, fun, shooby-dooby way. Watching you get all red-faced on TV... You know what? That night changed my life, too. Don Guy saw my lo- loyalty slash handsomeness, and the next day he promoted me out of poisons and into microwaves. Live TV made us all what we are today. Oh, no need to take another vote. TGS is meant to be live. To make it more profitable, we'll just need to do more sponsored product placement. You should do it with the upcoming Warner Brothers movie Rock of Ages, based on the hit Broadway musical, Rocking a Theater Near You, June 15th. Tom Cruise sings! <laughs> Or I'll just pay you all less. Kenneth, let us out of here. Paul didn't come. I ruined everything. Yeah, you blew it. So I'll just jump out at some point and les it up with you? Okay. Okay, Okay, we're live in five, four, three, three. And now, Prince William Prince. Prince, do you smell something fishy? Wait, who's that dude? Zooby, zooby, Jenna Maroney, you're the woman I want to grow old with. Old being an acronym for oxylaprodexatrin. A hallucinogenic plant extract that makes sex terrifying. I want to spend the rest of my life making you happy. And that's why I'm asking you, on TV, to marry me. No, no, a million times no. Not like this. I don't want to get married for publicity. I want to get married for you. And so that you don't testify against me in court. I still don't know what's going on. I slipped. I slipped and hit my head in the bathroom. Who am I? You're my boyfriend. We were just gonna go call some people I went to high school with. that 
Uh, now 14 million people just saw it. You're welcome. Oh, and also, I broke your toilet. <laughs> Yeah, a lot going on there. There's a lot. So, so at first, until they like, I guess announced the, like the title of the show that was Prince William. I thought Jenna was dressed up as. Do you remember like the inbred royal guy uh, from the first uh, season? Like uh, at first, it's Hatsburg. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. I thought that's what it was a reference to. It's like, oh, that's a deep reference. And they said Prince William. I was like, oh, okay. Which I guess the Prince and Prince William joke is yeah, silly. I don't know what that skit I, was gonna be because I mean it's funny visually because you have Tracy in a very '80s Prince garb like big jerry curl and brett or uh pink uh outfit but the setup of what was it like fish sticks or something like that yeah it's like and, prince do you smell something smell fishy yeah some, and it's just like all right where is this gonna go and then it's immediately cut by paul coming in on wires singing, zooby zooby zoo which is a real song it's a real song and it's uh 100 a madman reference because I assume also, especially because John Hamm's in this episode, but a few seasons into it, into Mad Men's run, um, John Hamm's character, Don Draper, uh, marries his secretary. And it's like, as like part of his like thing is like this. Well, they've, spoiler (gasps) alert, they've uh, divorced or separated long before this point. Um, But anyway, so like, I obviously like in his, in his position at the ad agency, like Don is like a kind of, uh, you know, high ends, like whatever, like classic, whatever, 50s, 60s man. Mm-hmm. So his, his secretary that he marries, she's much younger. She's in her twenties. And basically he's, he's, I can't remember if they're hosting it. I think they might be hosting it, but they're not. They're at this like work, work function when they're in someone's home and it's like important people from work. So his, his now wife, I guess, wants to impress like all these people or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she turns on a song and literally out of nowhere, I mean, the reason why it's funny because it literally, it basically happens out of nowhere in this episode. She starts performing this song, Zooby Zooby Zoo, to like to Don in front of all his like colleagues and whatever and like gets in his lap and is like very just like, it's just, it's, the whole point is like, I, I think this, this isn't very long after they've gotten married. So the whole, basically the point it seems to drive home, oh, Don, you done fucked up. Like, not because, not because anything, there's anything wrong with her, but it's like, this is obviously like, you know, you marry her because she was, you know, hot and young and whatever. Right. And it's like, oh, she actually was not the right choice right. because she, little, little what she thinks is an impressive or whatever thing to do is like actually like extremely cringy. Yeah. And <laughs> so it's like, basically, I mean, she doesn't fly in from the ceiling, but it's basically out of nowhere. She just like performs around the right. living room. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously with Mad Men, it's a very stoic, traditional yeah. values and, yeah. someone like that started singing that song for an entire audience that she doesn't know very well and doesn't know her very well yeah would be yeah yeah i think that's most of it i mean it's been a long time since i've seen it so i might not be 100 percent on all the details but that i think is the the main gist yeah. of it one day i'll get through that show i started watching it i think a couple thanksgivings ago or on a trip i remember watching it somehow on a trip and i was like all right i, I can see why this is appealing the last thing i remember was uh, I can't think of it. I don't know really any of the characters' names, but January Jones had been seeing her therapist pretty regularly and feels like it was building to something for her story. But that's the last, I think, maybe six or seven episodes in. So still very early on. But thankfully, yeah. that show's only like 13 episodes per season, I think. So I believe so, yeah. Not too much investment. They're just hour long episodes. So. Yeah. But hey, but that's not all the jokes in this not scene. That's not all of them. So Jenna does have a touching personal moment where she decides that she wants mm-hmm. to marry Paul as a person and not as a TV gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. And then Hazel runs on stage, and in the reference to 
Sinead O'Connor ripping, a pip, uh, ripping up a picture of the Pope on SNL. Halo rips up a picture of Sinead O'Connor. But I think, like, it seems like he gets the biggest laugh of this episode from the yeah. audience. Like, because, I mean, it, but it's perfect. Like, she doesn't say anything. She's just, like, very... Her face is, like, yeah. Blank slate, just tears the picture up. And, yeah, it's an obvious reference to when uh, Sinead O'Connor did it on SNL in the 90s. And she's been banned from the show. I think, I think that ban should have been lifted by now. I've... Well, I mean, that moment basically, like... I, it, she, it didn't her kill her career, it but did. yeah. Well, I mean, but I'm saying like she still right. pops up. It's like it, right. so it didn't like wipe her off like the face of pop culture, but it definitely like she had a lot of momentum and it screeched to us. Didn't happen anymore. Like, she, she ripped up the picture of the Pope and said, "Fight the real enemy," which she's from uh, Scotland. Uh, no, she's she's Irish. Irish. I don't. I, I'm not sure if Irish or Northern Irish, but I mean, yeah. in terms of Catholicism, like I mean, yeah. So obviously she had a. Uh, yeah. Obviously it was unplanned. They didn't know she was going to do that. Otherwise they would have not had it shown. But yeah. obviously it pissed off a lot of people that she did that. But considering what SNL has done since then, that so pales in comparison that her ban, if if it still exists, should absolutely be up, and she should be welcomed back if they. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, maybe the time has passed, but it seems like that's the sort of thing they should have had her back is like a, I don't know. I mean, maybe she doesn't want to. Maybe, right. no, maybe I mean, yeah. maybe they've invited her and she just didn't want to. I mean, I'd be a little bit too, like if you banned me for something like that. Because yeah. it's just like, really? Well, this I mean, is what you banned me for? Because I mean, there's been like more egregious things that, yeah. that well, before and after her that they've done, yeah. that other actors have done. But. I mean, also seeing what's happened with the Catholic Church since then, like honestly, she was a little ahead of her time. Because if someone were to pull that move during the time of the big scandals mm-hmm. breaking, like I think that wouldn't have, it definitely wouldn't have elicited the same reaction. No, it would have been like but, a round of applause instead of awkward silence. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, given like how in the scope of history, like it doesn't kind of that big of a deal, like I almost feel like maybe it's more likely that SNL has tried to have her back on as like kind of like a mea culpa and she didn't, have, right. didn't yeah. want to bother with it or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any. I just, I mean, I'm just hoping like yeah, the band has been lifted and, yeah. and I would, that they are at least understanding that what they did is yeah. a little bit of an overreaction just because of. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, and then the scene ends with, uh, well, after Liz takes uh, an amnesiac Paul McCartney mm-hmm. off stage because uh, uh, it's classic live TV moment. Classic live TV. Uh, Jack and Pete just start making out. Duh, they gotta fill time. They gotta fill like 15 seconds. Happy before. live episode. Yeah. Uh, there is a small bit of changes in this scenes um so since obviously kim kardashian is in the west coast version uh liz's line is wow 2.5 million people just saw that and then kim kardashian appears taping and uploading the scene to her twitter followers and says uh now 14 million people just saw it you're welcome oh and also i broke your toilet um in the west coast version there is no alec baldwin and pete making out they just stand around awkwardly uh, but during the closing actual credits of 30 Rock, um, when everyone's saying their goodbyes a la SNL, where everybody's on stage waving, in the East Coast version, Jane Krakowski and Kristen Shaw les out with a faux kiss of their own, but in the West Coast it doesn't happen. Mm. Alec Baldwin holds up a sign that says he hearts Spain and Italy. And that's it. That's live from Studio 6H. I guess we'll wrap it up. Yeah. No, I do agree with you. It's a very clunky way that they sort of tie an origin story onto this episode. But also agree with you that individually the scenes are super fun and silly and 
are like a nice look into all of these people's sort of origins, like Jack's uh, origin at GE of being in poisons and he's moved. I think, I think we cut it out, but he mentions as a result of that, he was bumped from poisons into microwaves. So obviously that helped transfer him into the position that he would get now. Liz, it's, it, it, it put her in a position of sticking it to the man, which somehow this Prince William and Prince skit was also sticking it to the man. No idea. I, well, we didn't get to the punchline, so maybe there's some jokes in there. And Prince William, he's the one that's the older, right? Yes. The one that's still mm-hmm. part of the meritocracy, right? Yes, married yeah. to uh, Kate. Kate Upton. 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 Kate Upton is different. She's a model. Yes. Uh, and then uh, Tracy realizing he's just a ridiculous person and can make people laugh by saying weird things and Coxics. funny words. Coxix. Yeah. Final thoughts before we say adieu? And I buy time by looking at the next episode. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like I like this more than you just because just to, I think personally, I just took it more as as individual series of sketches than like a larger character. I mean, in a way, I guess Jenna does have a larger character. Arc, mm-hmm. But apart from that, it's, you know, I, not as anything that's advancing the larger whatever arcs of the season. So I liked it for what it was. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is super fun, but I think it's just... It, it, it is more standalone. I mean, you could argue this is a filler, but it's probably one of the better filler episodes, but it is just like a reason for them to do skits and sketches, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just like the last few episodes have been building a story arc. This one sort of puts a lot of that on pause, except for Jenna, just to have like a fun episode, which is totally fine because I think they do have a lot of fun with it, and I want them to have fun creating a show because if they're not having fun, no one else We're is not having, having fun. fun. So I, I, I applaud them and in everything that they did. I just... I think I like the other live episode a little bit better. But they're still both excellent episodes, so anyway. Um, as always, thank you for joining us on Go to There. If you like what we're doing, rating, reviewing, and all that fun stuff is going to be the best way to help us out. Otherwise, we will see you in next week's episode, episode 123, season 6, episode 20, entitled Queen of Jordan 2, The Mystery of the Phantom Pooper. They're just running all the gimmick episodes together. Yeah, really. A live episode followed by a continuation of arguably one of the more popular episodes of the series. That's... Not there's anything wrong with that. It sweeps. It sweeps month, apparently. Apparently, yeah. So uh, we get the infamous rude. So I think that's, I think, the big standout from that episode. But yeah, well, uh, otherwise we'll see you next week. David, take us out. See you next time. take medicine for it. Next stop, Hollywood, Florida, to get the car from my mom. Next stop, California, Pizza Kitchen, to tell my old boss Nadine to suck it. Next stop, Tinseltown, because Christmas decorations are really cheap this time of year.